0: Real quick, before we get started, I just want to make sure you are subscribed to my newsletter, Build Something Weekly. Every week I send a free email to everyone's inbox with insights on what's going on in WordPress and podcasting. You get a rundown of all of the content I created and you get a summary and top takeaways from this episode. So if you check your inbox on Monday mornings and you're like, yes, this is an episode I definitely want to listen to right now, you can. If you're like, I'll wait a little bit later, you can do that too. You can sign up for Build Something Weekly over at buildsomething.email. That's buildsomething.email for my free weekly newsletter. All right, now let's get into it. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Casabona. Welcome to episode 231 of how I built it. Today's episode is brought to you by Nexus, Terms Hub, and Text Expander. And today's episode is a little different. See, my friend Alistair McDermott is a marketer. He has a podcast called The Recognized Authority. His website is marketingforconsultants.com and he helps consultants do more with their marketing to get more clients Instead of doing a bunch of cold outreach, he wants to do more inbound marketing. And for that, on top of his podcast, he wants to build an online course. And so instead of Alistair giving us advice, he pitched the idea of doing a live coaching call, which I absolutely loved. So we flipped the script a little bit in this episode and we do get a little background on Alistair, but... Then he starts asking me questions about what's the best way to build and market your course. You won't be surprised to hear that. I think podcasts are a great way to establish yourself as an authority to get people to know, like, and trust you to then sign up for your course. But there are lots of other interesting nuggets in there as well. So. Let's get into it. All of the show notes are going to be at howibuilt.it/231. That's all the links that we talk about: ways to subscribe, ways to sign up for the newsletter, and even join the Build Something Club. And in the Build Something, uh, in Build Something more, in the members-only version of this episode, we talk about sports. Because uh, I was watching the Yankee game right before we started recording in this episode But we also talk about why we think the WordPress community is so cheap Ooh! If you want to sign up for the Build Something Club You can, uh, you can, you can go to howibuilt.it slash 231 Alright, now let's get into it This is my live coaching call with Alistair McDermott On how to test and promote your online course Hey, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips for small business owners. My name's Joe Casabona. I'm your host. And today we're doing a little bit of a different episode. I've got my friend Alistair McDermott here. Alistair is a marketing consultant at Marketing for Consultants. He's very straightforward with his marketing. uh, So you know exactly what you're getting. But instead of me interviewing Alistair about who he is and what he does, we're going to be talking because Alistair wants to get into the online course space and uh, I'll be coaching him through a few things. And, and we thought that would be a fun conversation uh, to record for all of you. So Alistair, how are you doing today? Joe, I'm doing great. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. And uh, thank you so
1: much for this opportunity to uh, to learn and uh, and to get some coaching from you.
0: My absolute pleasure. When When we talked about this idea, really, you pitched this idea to me and I thought it was Great, mutually beneficial, I suspect. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this will be really good content. Uh, I hope the listeners like it as well, as well. And I know that everybody listening will learn something because online courses, as we record this episode, are um, becoming increasingly popular. Um, it's maybe getting easier to um, record those courses and, and edit them, maybe. Um mm-hmm. But it's really about the content, right? So that's, yeah. that's what we'll get into. But before we do that, why don't we uh, get a little bit of background on you? So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Okay, so um, I'm a full-on nerd. Uh, my first job out of college was programming machine code for IBM mainframes. And uh, my wow. second job was working in in some microsystems. I, I worked on the uh, Solaris operating system, so that that was kind of my background in, in programming. So um, uh, yeah, I had so, no so, idea. <laughs> <laughs> I hide it well. I'm a recovering geek, as I like to say. So uh, yeah, so so that was kind of my my background, and and um, I wasn't a very good employee. Um, I really don't make for a good employee, my personality style and and just, you know. So uh, I, I quit my job in 2007 because that was a really good time to start a business. Yeah. Um, you know, because the economy <laughs> was doing great and, you know, it's just everything was rosy. Yeah. So uh, I quit my job 2007, started a business. Um, and initially, my only skill set that I had that wasn't to do with low level programming um, was search engine optimization, which at the time was kind of cool because SEO at the time was really technical. Um, we didn't have stuff like Yoast SEO. Uh, and um, we, you know, there was a lot of SEO uh, at the time, we, we just needed to be like hand coded. And there was a lot more to do with the server and stuff like that. So that was kind of my background. Um, I didn't really like selling SEO as a service. Um, the, kind of the, the premise of SEO is, look, we'll, we'll do a lot of work for you. Uh, it's going to cost a lot of time and money. And hopefully it'll work, but you know what? It may not, and and that's kind of it's it's kind of still the way SEO is today. Um, but you know, I, I know there's a bit more to it than that, but you know that that's kind of what it felt like. So I got then um, into building websites because so many people kept asking me for them. Uh, I've been building websites since 1997. My first website was on GeoCities, and yes. uh, so um, GeoCities uh, College Park Quad 7257 was the URL. So uh, fantastic. So uh, that that's where I learned learn my website building. Um so I've been building websites what for 24 25 years nearly now. So um so yeah so I I changed the business name to Website Doctor in 2008 and that was my business for a long time um as a consulting consulting style business more than an agency. And I I kind of prefer like the 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 expert consultant Solo business rather than building a big agency with, with lots of staff that was just the way I kind of preferred to 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 go about it and um I also had my uh i also had my flings my my startup uh, attempts and one of those uh, i i'll mention there's there's a couple. But one of those was actually a partnership with another guy called Alistair, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and it, it's not a very common name, even here in Ireland. So uh, that was kind of funny. Um, so my, myself and Alistair McBride, we we set up a business, um, which was an e-learning business, teaching people how to build their own WordPress websites. And so this, uh, this came about in early 2010, uh, when... We were sat across uh, at a breakfast table um, one morning after having a couple of beers the night before. And I was just telling him, you know, it's really easy for you to build yourself a WordPress website. And I started explaining to him. And he's like, hold on, hold on. I've got this new thing. And he had like a flip camera, mm-hmm. um, th- which was all the rage back then. It was killed off by by uh, by iPhone and yeah. and all these. So, so he recorded me telling him how to build a, a, a website. And I, I just explained it to him and drew a few things on a piece of paper and he was like, this is awesome. So he took it, he built, he built his his own website and he came back to me and he said, look, um, we actually could, could do something with this. We could, we could make a website that shows people how to do this. And so we did, we, we, we built a website. We recorded, I think 140 videos, uh, screen wow. grabs. Like we had serious, like we, we had a, we had a pretty good site from a perspective of, we had a lot of content. And um, and it was pretty good for you know twenty ten twenty eleven when when we launched, but uh, yeah it 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 failed miserably um, for several reasons. One was we we had no specific target market. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying to target everybody, uh, and the other was I think we were trying to price it too high. We were trying to price it around eighty dollars ninety dollars a month, and there was just no. Uh, no traction in the market at that price point, and actually, I found out later that that some of the people who came along and were doing the same thing at the same time were really struggling to get paid at that price point as well, so that might be something we revisit later I think,
0: yeah, absolutely and what that's what a really great story first of all, i yeah, I had no idea that you like you programmed machine code that was like my least favorite, like assembly language like was my least favorite class in college um. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess once you go out on your own, there's not a lot of uh, opportunity for a freelance machine code. Machine no, code there, there's.
1: I, I think I remember at the time uh, Ireland isn't isn't a huge country, but I think I remember at the time there was eight companies in Ireland that you could potentially work at uh, wow. if you wanted to do that. So, <laughs> wow, yeah.
0: Um, and then and then, just a quick aside uh, before we get into the core stuff. Uh, your, my first real website was also on GeoCities. I called it the bootleg blogger because I just kind of copied a blogger template um, uh-huh. and did all the HTML myself. Years later, after GeoCities shut down and all of these clones popped up, one of my students, uh, when I was teaching at the University of Scranton, found it. I was like, I found your old blog. And I was like, no, I'm like, you can't tell anybody about this. And then like, <laughs> I sent them uh, the the people who did it, a cease and desist because uh, I was like, take this down. And they're like, you've got to prove it to yours. And I was like, well, you'll be hearing from my lawyer because uh, well, it wasn't really my lawyer, but it was enough to get them <laughs> to take it down because it was like teen angst. And I was like, I don't want this online. I mean, you know, I'm so happy. I'm not a teenager today. Oh oh yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you
1: there because yeah, I, I went back and sanitized everything um that I could possibly sanitize, you mm-hmm. know, when I was about twenty four, twenty-five. I realized, hey, this stuff is hanging around. It could hang around for a long time, actually. Oh so, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's so that's I tell I, I tell my students, you know, anything anything you put online is is more permanent than tattoos. Sharpies, everything it'll it'll always be there yeah. um, but so so you you tried an e-learning business this is I I feel like I feel like you and I both started uh, the same kind of thing we're like we'll just make an online course and sell it mm-hmm. it'll be great um, but similarly I did not have my first course did not have a target audience and mine was text-based uh, and it was probably stuff that you could find for free online anywhere. Um, and it was probably priced too high. Right. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, uh, WP one Oh one, my good friend, Sean Hesketh, uh, launched in 2008, but his, I think, I think it's like a $29 annual membership mm-hmm. or yeah. you, you can buy a lifetime for, for $79 or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the numbers you need to do. Right, uh, at, at, which, at that price point is crazy. Yeah. You know? Which
0: he, which he was able to do, and he very smartly like licenses his courses out. That's how he that, makes most of yeah. his money. And and I, and he, I think he was I a much, yeah. yeah, he
1: was a much smarter business person than I was back then because yeah, that would have made sense yeah. given the amount of time investment that we put into actually creating the content. Uh, we definitely should have done something like that.
0: Yeah. So so let's talk. Let's talk now. We're eleven years or so, ten years later. And, um, you're, you're thinking about launching an online course again. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ask you what the idea is or anything like that as, uh, or share as much as you'd like, but, um, let's set the stage and then maybe we can talk through some of the things you're struggling with.
1: Okay. So, so setting the stage. Okay. So, uh, I have a podcast. The, the, the brand is called marketing for consultants um i'm i'm pretty straightforward with with how I, I label things so um yeah it it is what it, what it says in the tin um and marketing in the world of consultants is um it's interesting and i i i came to this because it was a problem that i encountered myself in trying to market myself as a consultant as an expert and so what i realized after doing some uh research i Uh, I surveyed over a thousand consultants on various different topics related to this. I spoke to many of them on the phone or Zoom. And so what I discovered was there's three uh, main channels for consultants to get business. One is referrals and networking. I'm kind of blending the two of those together, but they're very similar. And that is where 95% of business is done in the world of consulting. And I'll tell you about why in, in a minute. Uh, the second one is outbound. And that is cold calls, cold emails, outreach of various different types, LinkedIn messages, all of those kind of things. And then the third one is a tiny percentage is inbound. And inbound is putting out content and having people coming to you then when they when they find your content. That's kind of educational content, authority content, that type of thing. So um, the reason for this uh, is the reason why referrals networking are so big is because consulting projects are typically very expensive and very risky. And there needs to be a huge amount of trust in the consultant or the consulting firm that you're bringing in. Uh, trust that they can do the job, trust that they are experienced, that they're um, ethical. There just needs to be a huge amount of trust because you're doing something that's usually transformative, highly risky. And so what that means is the... Cre- creating that trust is—it's usually passed through a personal referral, or meeting somebody through some sort of networking and developing relationship and building that trust. Outbound uh, usually is just a numbers game because you're actually starting in negative trust with outbound because mm-hmm. you're interrupting somebody. So yeah. now you can get past that if you get them at the right time, but for the most part, it, it's not the case. And then the third one is inbound. For me, is the holy grail because. I'm. I'm never going to make a cold call. Uh, I've never have, and I never will. It's just not my style. Um, I also see all of these horrible uh, LinkedIn spammy messages, and all of the I, every so often, I every week or so, I check my my spam um, e- email folder, and I see all these failed uh, cold emails. It's just not my thing. So inbound, having people come to you after having gone through some of your content, having built up that trust with you that for me is 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 the holy grail of marketing for consultants, and so this is where I want to go in terms of creating content so that that's kind of the the basis. Do you want to ask me any questions about that
0: no i no, I think that makes a lot of sense and I mean you're absolutely right about everything you just said um but so so this course will essentially be for uh the the consultants who who want to do less cold calling is that kind of yeah, well I would say that
1: they don't do cold calling gotcha, gotcha. mostly mostly the problem here is about referrals and networking um, firstly um, it's 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 hard to do networking um, outside of your local area you can do it online mm-hmm. um, but it can be just hard to do networking some yeah. people don't want to do it some people are introverts and they, they, they right. would just rather you know create content right the other thing is the network so usually uh, you, you start off with a network. And you get referrals from that network, particularly when you go into business for yourself for the first time. But your network can eventually become tapped out. And right. this this happens sometimes, depends on the type of business, how long your projects are, all of that kind of stuff. But eventually, you you may find a situation where you don't want to be depending on referrals from your network because you don't have as much control over them. You can't decide when a referral is going to come in. Uh, you can't make it so that it's, it's an appropriate... Uh, project. Right. So, what you really want to do is you want to have a lot of incoming inbound uh, uh, queries, that, and and that's the and and have those coming in all the time, so that you can then pick and choose from the best of those. That's that that's the kind of the ideal scenario.
0: Yeah, and and that makes perfect sense because I mean, first of all, right, we're coming out of a global pandemic that lasted over a year, um, and and there haven't been any in-person networking events. So how do you expand your network even in your local area if you're not going and meeting people and shaking hands and things like that? I felt that certainly because most of my sponsors uh, have come from the WordPress space, people I met at WordCamps. We mm-hmm. formed a lot of trust. They wanted to sponsor the show. Um, but it every time a sponsor came in that I didn't directly reach out to or even the ones I directly reached out to and then like a couple months later they decided they were a sponsor it always felt like it was luck like luckily they came at this time because like yeah my funnel was drying up or whatever and that's like you can't run a business just on luck so I think your timing is really good here I think your topic is is really good here um so it sounds like your concept is good and and It sounds like you know who your course is for as well, which is another thing I think a lot of people kind of misjudge, right? This My course is, well, for anybody who wants to learn how to launch a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or anybody who wants to learn Beaver Builder. Um, And you can't, you know, people want to feel like they're talking, like you're talking to them when you're solving their problem. This episode is brought to you by Nexus. Look... I know what it's like to spend too much time managing your website instead of your business. In fact, the previous host for this very show made it harder for me to focus on creating content because I was always trying to fix some problem with my website, especially on new episode days. And that's why I switched to Nexus. With Nexus's managed WordPress hosting, I don't have any problems to fix because Nexus fixes them for me usually before I even know about them. I don't need to worry about my site going down on new episode days or updates or backups. I don't even need to worry about plugin vulnerabilities. Nexus has me covered. That's why I can be so consistent. And now they have membership sites with WP Start. A membership site, especially if you're a creator or small business owner like me, can be a fantastic way to increase revenue. But there are too many moving parts for most people who just want to set something up and start making money. Membership sites with WP Quickstart does it all for you. That is great hosting. So check out Nexus today if you want a website and not a project. For a limited time, you can get 50% off your first six months. Just go to howibuilt.it slash nexus, N-E-X-C-E-S-S. That's howibuilt.it slash nexus for 50% off your first six months. Thanks so much for Nexus for being a sponsor of How I Built It. You
1: might even argue that my... My target is still a little bit too broad when I when I say just consultants mm-hmm. that maybe I should be should be narrowing it down more and saying, for example, management consultants specifically. Right. You know, and 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 there is a kind of um, a thing where the word consultant is is a euphemism for management consultant in in the space. Um, so so yeah, no, I, I'm okay with just calling it consultants for the moment, and and I I have been calling them specialized consultants mm-hmm. because. I don't think that you can be an expert when you're not specialized. And I'm yeah. sure that people are going to argue with that a little bit, but I think it's very hard to be a generalist expert, you know, because expertise is, is generally deep. So, yeah. um, so, so that's kind of, that's, that, that, that's my position on it. So I have, so I started a podcast called marketing for consultants, which is available for everybody at marketing for And so I started that podcast maybe, uh, two or three months ago. Uh, I have 15 episodes aired, uh, published. I have, uh, another 16 or 17 already recorded. And I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm dropping them one, one a week. Uh, and I'm actually considering because I have a good team. I have an assistant and I also have an editor and I'm actually thinking about moving to two a week. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. I might, I might do that at the end of the summer. Nice. Um, So I want to grow the listenership and grow, grow my audience through that. And and so I'm trying to, I'm trying to make all of this fit. And this is where I think you're the perfect guy to talk to because you're the podcast guy and you're the online course guy. And and maybe you can help me figure out how to, how to kind of mash all of this together to make it effective. I mean, one thing that I I want to do, and and maybe you can talk to me about this is I want to try and use my audience to get them to tell me what I should put in the course because that that I think is really crucial because that's something I didn't do previously. And um, and I, I know a lot of people uh, are, are, are starting out this way. They're, they're getting the market to tell them what should be in the product rather than the other way around. So um, yeah, so that, that's kind of laying it all out on the table. So um, yeah, wh- what what do you want to talk about or where do you want to go with this?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, the first... So, I mean, first of all, thank you. Um, I think that the first thing that you touched on um, about... Kind of about needing trust for uh, for, for consulting uh, also applies to online courses, right? So um, th- this was, I think, the wildest thing that I realized is that um, I had an easier time when I first started. I had an easier time selling somebody on like a $5,000 website than like a $50 course because... Yeah. I could talk to somebody and be like, hey, this is why you need this website. I understand you. I understand your... Pro-. The guy, the, the last developer ran away on you. First of all, you're going to have the keys to your kingdom. So even if I do, which I won't, you're, I'm not going to leave you high and dry, right? Stuff like that. With, mm-hmm. with a course it's just like, buy my course. There's no trust there. A yep. podcast is, bar none, uh, one of the best ways to establish trust uh when you are creating an online course or if you're a speaker or a a, a author it's a good way to show p- a consultant it's a good way to show people you know what you're talking about and that you're willing to show up on a regular basis right uh Seth Godin said podcasting is is the generous act of showing up and if you show people that you can do that then they're more likely to um, to buy your course, right? Because they, they know it's not going to just be like abandonware, where, you buy the, I bought the course and then the, the instructor disappeared on me, took my money, showed me a few videos and then left. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The Um, old school uh, internet marketing guru scam. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, uh, I think Adam Carolla, no, you know, I mean, he's, he's probably got money, but, uh, he has like a 10 year old course on how to podcast and, people pay all this money for it and he's nowhere to be found. Right? Um, right. So I think you're right in saying that, you know, the, the podcast should help you. Um, and then your, your next point about getting feedback from, uh from your students about what they want to learn. Uh, I think there's Jennifer Bourne outlines this. I'll, I'll link. Um, first of all, I'll link your podcast in the show notes. Uh, I'll link Jennifer Bourne's episode in the show notes as well, which you can find over at howibuilt.it. And uh, the best way to do this is, I I think, to run uh, beta tests, right? So you develop a version one of the course where you think this is the stuff that I think is important, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Get the version one out there, make it, I don't know, some some short amount of time, 30, 60 minutes. I don't know how much time you're planning on it. So I just anchored you to some some number that maybe isn't reasonable. But, um, you know, put out the initial content that you think covers everything that should be covered and then offer the course to um, maybe a couple of friends and family for free. But I, I found that if you offer people to the course for free, they're never going to take it. Um, offer it to your audience at 60% off or something like that, um, where they still have skin in the game, right? they get to take the course early. And then the benefit for them is, well, you'll also get the updates, right? So you'll get the full course when it rolls out. Um, Right, yeah. And then you you know, be active with those people. It's a smaller audience. So you can uh, not necessarily like meet with them on zoom weekly, but have a place where you can all talk either a forum for the course or Slack or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. works best for your audience. Right. So some people will say discord. Some people will say Slack. A circle is where I've been hanging out lately, but if, if Facebook is where your audience is, then be on Facebook. Um, So Either give them the opportunity um, to uh, to offer you feedback and, and be like, mm-hmm. "Listen, what what didn't I cover that you really were hoping I'd cover?" Mm-hmm. Um, but the the beta test at a deep discount is a is a really good way to get to get user feedback.
1: Okay, let me let me dig into this then a little bit. That initial beta version, the beta beta test version. I mean, I can go like the the software development process, go alpha beta, et cetera. Mm-hmm. so um, so that initial test version, how much effort am I putting into that like is like what's important there? And how long is it like, is this one, is this like one 60 minute workshop video where I just like do it like a webinar and say, okay, that's the basic framework. Or do I do it as, you know, um, 23 minute videos or yeah, how would you approach that's, that?
0: That's a really good question. And actually you mentioning the webinar was something I, I had in the back of my mind. Um, I think a webinar, uh, would be a, a good first step as a test concept, right? Where you make the slides Mm -hmm. um or whatever however you run your webinars um you work on the content but you don't need to worry about all of the polish of the final course right right um and then you you test that content and you know what if you if the polish is good then you just chop that video up pat's done. pat Flynn has done that before Right. Where like he has a webinar and it was good and he just chopped it up and and made it lessons in one of his courses. Um, but yeah, I think I think testing that concept. Right. So, yeah, the general framework. Right. Generally, what I tell people, I stole this from somebody, so I can't really take credit for it. But um, is the free content should be the what and, and the paid content should be the how. Um, right. Daryl Eves, who wrote the YouTube formula, said like, you should just give everything away for free on like a six month delay. Um, So, you know, if you teach something in your course today in six months, give it away for free. Um, And then other people have just said like, yeah, all content is basically the same. It's just the way you mix it, right? So if you release podcast episodes or YouTube videos, uh, you can use that same exact content in your paid course. But maybe in your paid course, you've ordered it and structured it in a way that you wouldn't on your podcast or, or your online course. Um, right. And actually in your podcast, right. You have a podcast, you have listeners. Uh, that's a good place to test that content as well. Be Like, what did you think? What questions do you have? Make the call to action. Hey, write to me and let me know what you thought about this or what other questions I can ask and answer. Um,
1: yeah. That, that, that also brings me to a totally different topic, which is how can I grow the audience for the podcast? And let, let's, uh, just, um, let's, let's bookmark that to come back to you later. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Growing, growing your podcast audience is a common question, I guess. So yeah, we, we can answer that in a bit. Um, yeah. But apart from
1: everybody listening to this coming over to check it out, of course.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, going on other people's podcasts is is a really great way to grow your podcast, right? Because yeah, yeah. then you could just be like, oh yeah, find me at my podcast. You're already listening to a podcast. Just search for mine in whatever app you're in right now. Um. So, uh, so yeah, so for for kind of testing your content, I think I think that that's a pretty good three pronged approach, right? Talk about it on your podcast or your YouTube channel, wherever you're putting out free content. Yeah, Talk about some of that stuff. See how it does. Uh, see what questions you get. Have a webinar, right, where in the webinar you say, uh, you know, you, you run the whole webinar. Maybe at the end you say, look, this is going to be an online course soon. Here's your exclusive discount code. Maybe you can pre-sell it there, right? Sign up. And then you could see how many people I've pre-sold courses before where three people bought them and I just refunded that money. And I'm like, well, I'm really glad I put zero effort into this course besides the landing page. Right. Um, so you know, that's that's another idea. Do the webinar to to see to kind of put together the initial content mm-hmm. and um hold some of it back, release, chop up that webinar or re-record it for the course. Um and then add a couple of extra modules to it, and then that can be your beta test. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. In our fast paced world, things change constantly, and errors in messaging often have significant consequences. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into a keyboard shortcut called a snippet. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. Text Expander can also be used in any platform, any app, and anywhere you type. So take back your time and increase your productivity. But that's not all it does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it into plain text. No more fighting formatting if I'm copying from Word or anyplace else. Last month, I saved over two hours in typing alone. That doesn't even take into the account the time I saved by not having to search for the right link, text, address, or number. You have no idea how many times I want to type out a link to a blog post or an affiliate link and I can't remember it and then I have to go searching for it. That generally takes minutes, but since I have a text expander, Snippet, it takes seconds. Text expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I've been using it a lot more on my iPhone lately because I've been working from my iPhone more uh, because there are days when I'm just not in front of my computer right now. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now's the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit TextExpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. Thanks so much to TextExpander for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it. Okay, is, is there anything
1: else then on this kind of beta test process that you'd recommend um, to do? So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it on the on the podcast, gonna do the webinar, um, to to test it and, and do pre sales, um, and I'll tell them it's pre sales, yeah. Um, okay. Any,
0: anything else? Uh, I think, um, frequent, definitely frequent communication. Right. So there are a couple of approaches to this. If you use a an LMS like Lifter or Learn Dash, I use Learn Dash. Um. Mm-hmm then you can set up an automation that, you know, when a learner, when a student finishes a particular module or lesson, automatically email them. And so I'll usually do that in my, my courses after what I think the hardest lesson was and be like, Hey, right. Hey, look, this was, there was a lot here. How you doing? Email me. This is my email. Um, For you, Uh, For you, when you're testing, or I know Jennifer Bourne again, uh, Born again, Jennifer Bourne did this. Um, You can drip out your content week by week um, or every few days, right? Then it it gives your students time to consume that content, think about it. You can reach out to them um, after it drops and you can get feedback. This also gives you a little extra time to you know, if you want to make the content mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ahead of time and see how things are going. Um, but kind of dripping it out will probably keeps them a little bit more engaged than dropping it all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I all of my courses are evergreen and they all get dropped at once. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I, I think it's going to be evergreen content anyway, so... Yeah. Uh, which would make sense.
0: Yeah. Right. And again, with with Learn Dash or probably Lifter as well, you you can still set it to be timed where um the content drips out based on their registration date. Right. So yeah. the user the student registers, they get the first lesson on day one, plus seven days they get the second lesson. Yeah. Later. So so I mean
1: i I had this discussion a million times back in twenty ten, but I'll be honest, I've forgotten it all um what like what is the big advantage of going drip versus just releasing all at once?
0: yeah, that's a really good question. I think it depends on your course uh for my courses, I tout um that they're self paced mm-hmm. that there's a lot covered. you probably don't care about certain things right now, but you will later um mm-hmm. And so you can kind of take it, Chris Badgett calls this just-in-time learning, right? Where essentially all of, especially if you're a member, um, you just search the courses to find the one lesson that you need today. Mm -hmm. That's a lot more common now uh, than it was even just five years ago. Um, The benefit of dripping it out is if you do have uh, like a bigger... Um, let's say you're helping people change their whole process or change their whole approach to their business, right? Digital mm-hmm. Mavericks, um, Troy Dean's group is is an example of this, right? Yeah. He's got, they've got a 12-week program uh, right. that offers live coaching calls.
1: Yeah, so it's guided. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's so you like... Wanna, you want to keep everybody on the same page there.
0: Right keep yeah. everybody on the same page and it's like look I can show you lesson two lesson two is not going to matter if you don't absolutely do lesson one the right way Yeah. Um, whereas like again with, with my course podcast liftoff it's like if you already have a, a hosting company um, for, your, for your audio you don't really need to watch the video on how to use Castos or whatever right mm-hmm. um, yeah or like if you're not ready to make money yet and you just want to skip to the, um, or if you have a bunch of content and you just want to skip to the how to make money part, you can do that. Um, so you know that I think that's the that's kind of the distinction and the big benefit is if 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 you're offering a real hands-on course with a cohort of people, it should be dripped out and there's probably a live aspect to that too, right? Where um, you meet every week at the same time. And you can either roll a video that you pre-recorded and then come in at the end and answer any questions and things like that. Um, Which, by the way, is another way to get, you know, that's maybe more work than um, one would think with an online course. And I would say that that, that's a common misconception that online courses are passive income. I don't think you have that misconception. Um, Yeah, (laughs) not anymore. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. You naive know, you've 20, 28 year old B. Yes. yes he did. Yeah. Oh, I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll just put this course out there. And even yeah. like, I mean, even like three years ago, me, right. Like yeah. I, I launched a few courses on LinkedIn learning and then like questions started coming in and I'm like, I don't really need to answer these. And then I thought I should probably answer these. <laughs> like, um, cause nobody else is going to. And I want people to know this course is active. So they take it because you know, my royalties my royalties rely on that or whatever. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, my ultimate point here is when you're beta testing, another way to for sure get feedback um, is to have that live component, right? Where Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I want to say this and I'll, again, I'll link her episodes in the show notes, but I think the first few runs of, of Jennifer Bourne's um, profitable project plan were live sessions that she just recorded and released as lessons. Right. Um, so kind of two birds with one stone there. Uh, and then she got that feedback and was able to adjust and, and then added some pre-recorded aspects later. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Okay. I'm taking lots of notes here. This episode, uh, this, uh, this conversation is also being recorded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, okay, very cool.
1: Um, so, the the next thing then, uh, what what where I want to go next then is, what is the optimal format for the the final version? Let's call it like when when I've got it polished, I'm happy that you know people people like the content and stuff. At that point, then you know like like how long should it be? Should it be? two hours of content, three hours, 10 hours. Um, you know, uh, should my videos be one minute long, three minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Uh, the frustrating answer is it depends, right? It, it, your content should be as long as you need to cover what you want to cover. But, um, a lot of content overwhelms people, right? Uh, mm-hmm. if, uh, There, Pat Flynn has told this story on his podcasts and uh, the founder of Wishlist Member, whose name escapes me right now, um, talks about how, you know, they've seen communities where people try to put out a new course every month or a new thing, an hour long thing every week. And they had drop off from their members. They had churn because their members were saying, I'm just never going to catch up to all of this. Like, it doesn't make any sense for me to pay for this because I'm never going to consume all of it. Mm -hmm. So the shorter courses, even if you release a bunch of mini courses, right? Um, Lemma just wrote about this on his blog recently. Uh, If you have, like, four mini courses that come bundled, this allows your users to, again, consume the thing they want to consume. Uh, As far as optimal length of video... um, At LinkedIn Learning, I learned that you really want to try to stay within, you know, five minutes plus or minus one. Um, I shouldn't say plus. I shouldn't say minus one. It could be like three minutes or two minutes, but five minutes, five to six minutes, we'll say. Um, People's attention spans are short. And you want each video to essentially be uh, a consumable topic on its own. When when we create, if you watch LinkedIn Learning videos, uh, which lynda.com, it, it, for those who are, they're the same thing. Um, okay. Uh, if you if you watch them, you might notice that we don't even have transitions between videos. You know, I don't start the I don't start video five with. Uh, All right. Well, you know, in the last video, you learned this. Now you're going to learn this. I just dive right into what you're going to learn in this video because maybe they didn't watch video for. Maybe they didn't need to. Um, Okay. So short. And again, I'm like anchoring you to five minutes here. This is what LinkedIn Learning tries to go for. But um, I would say definitely not more than 10 minutes in a video because that's when you probably will start to lose attention or... Um, right. It's like, okay.
1: Yeah. So, so a rule of thumb then for me would be somewhere between two and six minutes. Yeah. Um, no recap or intro, um, try and keep it encapsulated one point. And, uh, I could go longer. I am guessing I could go longer only if it's actually live where, where you've got some interaction stuff.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. If it's live, then like make, make live as long as you need to cover everything. But if you're going to, yeah. Chop these videos up or offer it in a course where students take it video by video. I would say, yeah, mm-hmm. two to six minutes, two to seven minutes. You can recap at the end and just at the end say, okay, here's yeah. what we covered in this video. But you don't want the order of the videos to be dependent on each other, right? Yeah. Because what if six months down the line, you realize, hey, I need to add a video in between videos four and five? Now my intro is not going to make any sense, right? Yeah. So uh, that's the thing that you – I know I've learned this from experience. That's the thing you want to try to avoid. Yeah, that makes sense. And the length is kind of like – I don't know about you, but when I sit down in front of the TV at night, um, I think I can watch a movie for two hours. But a two, uh, two-hour commitment at 7 o'clock, it'll be 9 o'clock. I'm tired. My kids like just went to bed, whatever. Uh, or I can watch Scrubs or Friends, and that's a 20-minute commitment. And then I end up watching two hours worth of a TV show. But mm-hmm. it's not the fact that I committed that time. It's the fact that I didn't have to, and I could yeah. have stopped after the first episode if I if I didn't feel like it. Where I know you could pause a movie, but, you know. No, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And, and the new Rick and Morty season is coming out, so. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. So, so that's one. So that's one part. That. That's like a single vid- video.
0: Are we calling those modules? Are we calling
1: those lessons? But what are we calling
0: that? Generally, I will say a lesson is a collection of videos, and each of those videos is referred to as a module. In Learn Dash, it's course lessons topics. Um so the nomenclature is kind of inconsistent. Yeah. Um but I've heard module most consistently for single video.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm actually using LearnDash so
1: um so, so course it's good to lessons
0: topics LearnDash yeah. lets you rename them whatever you want.
1: Cool. Okay. I might actually rename that to module because that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then let's talk, we're, we're, we're going up one, one level here. So how many, so uh, let's say I've, I've got a topic. I want to, um, teach people something, um, something substantial. And I have a number of videos. Let's say I've got, um, let's say I've got eight videos on, on one topic. And then I've got, you know, four on another and six on another. So I've got three separate. Is that three courses or is that one course with with three different lessons?
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good question as well. And I think it depends if they can stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Generally, that could be three courses. Um, yeah. For example, uh, podcast liftoff is could be four discrete sections or four discrete courses launch mm-hmm. your podcast, create your podcast website, create consistent content with your podcast, monetize your podcast. Um, they're all rolled into one big course. And I mm-hmm. recently released a light version of the course that is only launch your podcast. Right. Um. But yeah, technically, each section of that course, each major section of that course could be its own. So I would say... Look at it and it depends on how you want to sell it too. If you just want people to buy the the whole course then or all of the content then it should be one course. If you want the opportunity to maybe get certain people in at a lower price point and then upsell them with a bundle then it, it might be prudent to have three different courses. This episode is brought to you by Terms Hub. When creating a new website, an e-commerce store or an app, we often miss creating and using legal policies. Now, I'm not a lawyer nor do I pretend to play one on TV. I have hired a lawyer to do the important business documents in my business. But New legal requirements, growing privacy concerns have made the possession of such documents mandatory for websites and apps. And instead of copying and pasting from some random website, uh, you can use TermsHub. It's now possible to quickly generate documents created by lawyers at a low cost and protect yourself against legal or visitor complaints and other negative consequences such as GDPR and CCPA-related fines. Now, I went through, I used Terms Hub to generate a terms of service, a privacy policy, a cookie policy, and a refund policy. It generated a bunch of terms that I otherwise uh, wouldn't have been able to Uh, generate myself. So, you know, they tout 35,000 happy customers. They have compliance solutions. I know this is something that a lot of my own students and clients have asked me about. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but this this looks like a great solution. I'm happy with what was generated for my website. So if you want to check out Terms Hub, head over to termshub.io. And you can use the discount code how I built It" at checkout to save even more. That's TermsHub.io and the discount code how I built It" at checkout. Thanks so much to TermsHub for sponsoring this episode of How I Built It.
1: What else do I need to know about setting up an online course that I haven't asked you about?
0: There are a few mistakes that I made when I first rolled out my online courses. Um, The first is I had no mechanism for community. Um, And I'm not saying you got to start a circle community. I'm not saying you need to create a Facebook group and be in there all the time. But there should be some place where students can talk to you And more importantly, talk to each other. Um, Because especially if you do the cohort thing at first, um, this will give them the opportunity to exchange notes. And I, I added this way too late, right? Like my Gutenberg course came out, a bunch of people bought it. And then I added this later, right? And the same thing with the Beaver Builder course. When the Beaver Builder guys promoted my Beaver Builder course, a bunch of people all registered at the same time. And I didn't have those clear call to actions. Go to the student center and, and show us what you're working on. I've since added that, but, you know, now I have 300 or so students who will never see that because they took what they wanted from the course and are completely disengaged now. So yeah. adding that mechanism for engagement early on will uh, will help – Will I, I I think it will help you and not at all hurt you. Right. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and then Mm -hmm. something I, I learned kind of recently is about pricing. Right. And it's so funny. You and I have talked about this before, um, offline, but, um, you know, price like offering three different prices and doing the price anchoring thing, anchoring people to the middle price. Is is a tactic as old as time, right? Um, and I never applied it to my courses. I was like, "Well, this course is one ninety nine. Get it all or not." But um, I'm I'm testing this with pot, with podcast liftoff. Uh, now there's a light version of the course for seventy nine. There's the full version of the course for one ninety nine, and then there's the pro version of the course for $9.99 where you get the course and two hours worth of coaching with me or whatever. Um, Cool. Yeah. And I I think, you know, I think pricing like that is important because um, even if people are anchored to the middle price but they're not ready, they can get the light price and then, you know, at the end of the course be like, did you like this? Here's a 50% off coupon for the the full version of the course since you've already mm-hmm. kind of paid for half of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that model. And, um, the first time I, I came across it for like a, for a product I think was Nathan Barry's book authority. Um, and, also Blair Enns does that for his book Pricing Creativity mm-hmm. which is a book about pricing and the cheapest you can buy it for is $100 and uh, you know I love that so um and actually I've bought it and it's worth it so just if anybody out there um so um awesome. yeah so so I'm I'm with you on the pricing have three options different packages different package levels yeah um okay so so, is there anything else, or should we move on to the podcast? Is there anything else I need to know about about setting this up? Uh,
0: I think the I think the last thing I would say is uh, iterate early.
1: Yeah, I, I, sorry, I just remembered another question. Yeah, um, the other question I was going to ask is, what about supporting materials, workbooks, um, other yeah. bits and pieces? How much of that should you do? and um cuz i mean i can imagine it's quite a lot of work to go and create that kind of um that extra content so i'm just wondering is it worthwhile
0: um honestly i i don't know i think people probably have their own note taking mechanisms if they want but i do offer a workbook with podcast lift off just because just it gives me a, it gives me or it gives you the course creator a clear end of module call to action, right? Mm-hmm. All right. We just talked about how to come up with the artwork for your podcast. Now go to the artwork page in the workbook and start sketching out some ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then in the yeah. next lesson, we do Canva. And it's like, take that sketch and convert it using Canva or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, you know, having the additional materials, I also think people just, you know, that they see that as a value add. Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not they're going to use it. Okay, well, now this is something I've downloaded, and if I need to reference it later, great. Um, Mm -hmm. Checklists, if you have checklists in there, checklists are like, people love checklists.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay, now, sorry, I interrupted you. I think you were going to say iterate early and...
0: Often, yeah. (laughs) Um, One of the beauties of having an online course is that Uh, You don't have to wait till the end of the semester to to figure out kind of what went wrong or what you can improve on and and uh, re-issue a lesson, right? I Mm -hmm. I learned in the classroom, there were some things that that worked and things that didn't work. Um, And unfortunately, I can't go back to those students and be like, hey, I really taught this poorly to you or whatever. I could have taught it better. Maybe I didn't teach it poorly, but I could have taught it better. Um, with the online course, you can. So take lessons and, and again, uh, whatever you can do to get that feedback, increase that engagement. Um, if there is a live component, talk to them. And then you can kind of iterate and be like, I have iterated on this for you. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying do this like every week because you'll never do anything else. But every six months, maybe, go back and be like, what can... What worked? Or um, if we're talking iterating early and often, especially in the beginning, right? This is really what we're talking about before the course is finalized. Um, you could every few weeks be like, is this lesson working? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to take this from beta to to golden master or whatever? I guess that's what uh, Apple calls it, right? Um, mm. the, the The final, final release. Then once you release... Again, every six months, maybe every three months, depending on the cadence you want, reevaluate what's working, what's not working. Can I add something to make this better? Every time you add, you can raise your prices. And that's a marketing opportunity to be like, hey, I'm about to add a bunch of content to this course. Buy it now at this price before it goes up and you'll mm. get it all.
1: Right. Um, I, I do have a couple more questions here for you. So I have an awesome assistant. Mm-hmm. Um what what can I delegate to her? Or what can I outsource to, to to a third party? What what parts should I? What like what parts would be I mean, the thing is I know I have the skills to do pretty much all of it myself if I wanted to do right. that. Um one of the curses of having being a techie and getting into everything and wasting all my time <laughs> actually I should yep. have delegated and outsourced long long time ago long that's actually, time ago yeah that's a regret anyway uh, so take note you youngsters listening to this um, so yeah um, what can I delegate automate outsource
0: yeah that's a really good question um, the community and engagement management you should absolutely pop in every once in a while for sure Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's active, right. Or you have your assistant who can answer a lot of the questions for you, your assistant can make it look even more active and more vibrant, right? So even if you only check it once a day or once every two days, your assistant can be in there. My, my assistant goes into my community every day and posts and comments and likes the new posts um right now it just kind of looks like it's me and her talking but uh, <laughs> I'm working on improving that. Um yeah. so she you know your your assistant did you say she? Um, yeah, I Ico is her name. Okay, yeah. uh yeah, so she could do that. Um cool. adding the course to your LMS mm-hmm. something that she can do. Yeah. Um anything really anything that doesn't require you talking, right? Right now okay, yeah. I I fully have the ability to edit my own videos. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until I realized by working at LinkedIn Learning, I don't need to edit my own videos. That's like my least favorite part of it. I don't have the muscle memory or the macros. I do it every few months. And it would just be better if I could just dump a bunch of content into a Dropbox folder and send it to an editor. So that's Mm -hmm. what I do now. And I'm doing that for my YouTube videos, too. So now I'm able to pump out, I'm able to record two or three YouTube videos instead of doing one and then editing it and then wondering what I'm going to do next week. Mm -hmm. So um, the editing process, for sure, Uh, if you're going to add closed captioning, of course, you can have, you know, somebody else do that. Um, But essentially, anything that doesn't require your face or voice, graphics certainly I use design pickle. They're redoing all of my my product tiles and graphics and slides um, cool. and uh, and then and then all you have to worry about is is making the content and showing up for your students mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Um, okay, is there anything that I should not do that you see people doing? And they, they're always adding this one thing to the course that's a total waste of time. Is there anything like that?
0: Yeah. Um something that I do or did a lot was think, oh, I should add this and then just add it. And then like it gets no engagement and nobody cares. And I'm doing things that no one's asking for, right? right. I'm I'm answering the question that no one's asking. Um so I think getting validation first before you put a ton of work into it. Is something that can save you a lot of time and money. Um, yeah. So again, the webinar for the proof of concept. Again, that this course, I thought it was going to be so great. How to build a business website with WordPress? Are mm-hmm. you a business owner? WordPress, whatever. For a hundred bucks, I'll show you with this amazing theme how to do it. No one cared. Yeah. I'll just I'll just find the free YouTube video that that shows there, me. There should be like ten million people
1: and and i've had this conversation again 10 years ago there should be 10 million people online who want that you know right yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah. but i didn't i didn't market it the right way right because i was still a very field of dreams marketing yeah. kind of guy like i built this course and now people will take this course um yeah. but also you know it's 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 the way that you package it and so the other thing i would say besides um validate your ideas either through webinars or podcast or blog content first is, um, and you, you know all about positioning. I don't really need to tell you this, but your course, if you say take this course and you will be able to do thing, that's akin to saying, if you do this work, you will have more work, right? Like I'm giving you more work to do. Uh, If you say, hey, you have X and that's your problem, this course is the solution to X. Are you spinning your wheels launching a podcast? Is launching a podcast taking you months when you thought it would take you an afternoon? That is a problem. Podcast Liftoff solves that problem so that you only will need a day to launch your podcast instead of trying to figure out everything and put it all together. Mm. So that, and, and for you, I mean, I think that value prop is, is pretty clear. Um, have you, when was the last time you went to a networking event? Are your referrals drying up? When was the last time you got a referral? Are you freaking out because you don't have anything in the pipeline right now? Inbound marketing Will put some of this on autopilot for you.
1: Love it! I can't wait for your editor, so I got to get the recording straight away, Joe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the Zoom call right after. Super, thank you. Okay, um,
1: let's let's shift gears then to the podcast itself. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, that sounds good. Yep.
1: Okay, so. Um, so where it's at right now um I'm I, it's only just launched there's 17 episodes published but that's because I I did the initial uh, so there was an initial trailer and then I dropped uh, eight episodes on, uh, on uh, at first launch um and so uh what does that leave me nine so so it's been eight since so it's it's been out there for eight weeks um the podcast host is telling me that I've got 73 subscribers which I I, I think is totally wrong because Overcast has has telling me that that they've given me over seventy subscribers at this point, so um, yeah, it's got two thousand monthly downloads. So, nice. so it's kind of so yeah. I, I don't know. Is, is that good for eight weeks? I have, I, yes. I have no yeah. I've got nothing to compare against here. So yeah, uh, but but mind you, I, I have paid for ads on Overcast. So just put that out I, there. Of
0: I'm getting ready to pull that trigger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's kind of funny. Overcast, it's kind of like like playing the stocks, right? Because his prices change based on mm-hmm. demand. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, will it go down?
1: Yeah. Will so it, all you yeah. people out there, don't don't use Overcast
0: ads. They're terrible. Yeah, honest. definitely <laughs> go somewhere else. Just go somewhere else. Use Pod yeah. News, right? Have your tiny logo added up to, next to a bunch of other tiny logos in a newsletter.
1: Right. No, no, uh, no, I can't say that. Um, actually I love overcast as a player as well. I've been using it for years and it's, it's just such a great experience. That That's why it was my first port of call. The other thing about overcast is I don't actually want to pay to get rid of the ads because I find, I find interesting podcasts through the ads sometimes. So, uh, uh, that's me as a user saying that, not as a podcaster. Yeah. So, um, so, so definitely, I think the discoverability is something. I that, uh,
0: I pay for Overcast and still have the ads enabled because I'm like, <laughs> okay. well, I mean, first of all, right? If I'm going to advertise, I want to see how it works. Yeah. But also, I've added like four new podcasts in the last week, cause I'm like, this one seems interesting. So. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It, yeah. it works.
1: Okay. So, 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 well, you know, some of what I'm doing then is, so I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that the full story, I'm also advertising on Podcast Addict, because that was recommended to me by, um, but by, by somebody else. So, uh, so Podcast, uh Pod, Podcast Addict, and Overcast are my two sources. I've put about Six hundred dollars US in two ads, about three fifty on Overcast and two fifty on Podcast Addict.
0: Wow, that's so, like really not bad at all. I'm like, because I'm looking at like technology for Overcast, and it's like seven hundred fifty bucks as I'm looking at it.
1: Oh yeah, well, well, I tell you what I did. That might be useful for you and, and for anybody listening. Um, I I uh, waited till the education category was was good, and I I got education. I also experimented with the fiction category because that was always quite cheap. So, um, fiction returned subscribers at about $10 per subscriber, education returned subscribers at about $6 per subscriber. So that was pretty good.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that is really good. So
1: yeah. All right. So, um, okay. So, so, you know, some of what I'm doing to, to try and grow it. Um, and yeah, can you talk to me about like, what else can I do to try and get it out there, particularly in front of my specific audience of consultants?
0: Yeah. So, and this is definitely something that your assistant can do, as well, right? Especially if she's mm-hmm. like, um, if she's m- more independent um, of an assistant, have her look through podcasts, like lookalike podcasts to your own. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe something she can do is go to the, uh, the the overcast categories and see who's advertising in the categories where, where you identify your podcast as collect the contact information and reach out to those people um, mm-hmm. I can't stress this enough going on other people's podcasts uh, is a great way for you to grow your own podcast for the reasons I said before you know it's it's uh, you're, you're, they are already on the playground just ask them to pick up this other ball you know, mm-hmm. all right, you're done. You're done playing with this move over here, um, which is why the overcast ads are so effective as well, right? You're, you're putting a podcast right in front of somebody in their podcast player. Yeah. All right. I'll check it out. Why not? Mm-hmm. Doesn't literally cost me nothing. Um, so I think I think that is a really important thing. Um, this is a bit of a volume game, right? Because it's outbound stuff. Uh, I would say I, I need to talk to Brittany Lynn about this. Um, she was the PR person I spoke to uh, that I consulted with and um, uh, pitching yourself on the podcast is super important right because I don't know if you're getting them yet you will Yeah um, I've got some yeah yeah I'm, hi, I'm already high name yeah. like yeah let me tell you how great this person is. Do you want them on your podcast and I'm like, you didn't tell me what value they're gonna I don't care that he graduated first in his class at Harvard. Uh, maybe he should hire somebody who knows that I want value for my audience. I don't, I don't want to just hear how great you are. Um, end rant there. I don't want to, uh, this is a, uh, I'm triggered. Hot button topic for me. But, uh, (laughs) so when you pitch, Hey, listened to your podcast, big fan of it. Uh, especially this episode, when somebody mentions a specific episode that immediately brings their, uh, their trust factor from negative at least back to zero. Mm-hmm. Cause then at least they took the time to read the transcript and mm-hmm. find something instead of just seeing, oh, here's a technology podcast. I'm just going to reach out to them. Right. Yeah. Um, and talk about the value you're going to bring. So that's a little bit about pitching. But going on other people's podcasts is a great way um yeah. to, now, to grow. I, your I I
1: have seen some people talking about, you know, having having your assistant outreach for you. And uh, uh, that that's better than outreaching yourself. Now I can imagine why it's better in terms of time, but I'm just thinking of me getting that pitch. I think it would be better coming directly from the person. So just wondering, do you have thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, truth be told, I have this crazy Airtable table automation um, that allows me to kind of send a bunch of pitches all out at once. And the important aspect of this is that there's a Personal message field mm-hmm. uh, so that it's still personalized. I include all the same information. You know, like my bio doesn't change from pitch to pitch mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the topics, and actually, I have a column for each topic to like talk about this, talk about this. And then here's the personal note or put mm-hmm. the personal note at the front. Um, and that's all sent through my email address. So uh, even if it's your assistant pulling the levers. Uh, right. Or writing the emails through your inbox. I don't know how much access you've given your assistant, but
1: yeah, I probably um, need to give her more. To be honest,
0: yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I should, I should probably give my assistant access to my email. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I the personal pitch resonates more with me, right? Mm-hmm. Because most of the pitches I get are from people who. Basically, make money. They make a commission essentially based on the amount of uh, interview interviews published. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying that doesn't work. I I have a really good relationship with a couple who, when they recommend somebody to me, I don't even have to worry about it. But mm-hmm. took time to get there. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I. I all of my pitches come at least from my email address.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the way that I'm going to go. Yeah. Okay. Getting on other people's podcasts. We already talked about um, paid ads and stuff like that. What else is out there? Um, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I tried that. That I, I stopped doing. So um, I create um, or or we create um, graphics for the guest mm-hmm. um, to promote. Uh, we we do a quote image, and we do a square image and a, and a rectangle image. We used to take an audio clip and do an audiogram.
0: Yeah,
1: and I I just felt that it wasn't worth the time that we took to do it. It just didn't seem to get much traction on Instagram and, and Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and stuff. So I don't know. Um, are people ignoring just scrolling by audiograms?
0: Uh, maybe I you know I haven't seen. I haven't seen a lot either. What I have been experimenting with is just doing the audiogram through Overcast. Cause, yeah, Overcast has that clips feature and it's like, you know, maybe it's easier or like, but it, it maybe, yeah, it, it's easier for me to share other people's podcasts that way. I'm not listening to my own podcast in Overcast because I've already listened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Descript has a pretty templated way of doing it where like you can highlight the text in the transcript, but I, I don't know. The jury's out. I read mm-hmm. some stats that it, they're really good, but those stats came from a an audiogram app. Um, <laughs> yeah, this this is what I'm finding as well. As, yeah, as, yeah. So okay, well, well. Um, but sharing th- the episode is important, yeah. right? So yeah, and not just like listen to this episode. So if, if even if it's just a graphic with stylized text for the quote. Mm-hmm. Maybe that works, and that's maybe faster production. Um, maybe, yeah. But maybe, maybe we yeah. should
1: do some more quote graphics actually, and, and see see if that will that will take hold.
0: Yeah, right. Um, or uh, if you're doing Instagram, maybe you don't even have to do an audiogram. Maybe you post on your story or on Reels and say, "Hey, new episode of the podcast is out here. Are the things that we talked about here were my favorite takeaways." listen at podcast.com slash latest or whatever. Right. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: then, then you're still doing that maybe more engaging video content, but you're not spending a bunch of time going, okay, the clip starts at 39 and I want to get it to 67 or whatever. Uh, yeah. and Oh, I yeah. got it. Now I got to the text, the transcript isn't exactly right. And what's the good graphic here. Um, cause that is like a, that's, that feels like too much work. And if you were getting way more engagement, maybe it wouldn't, but Mm -hmm. turning the camera on, like on your phone and just being like, Hey, this is the stuff we talked about today. And I thought it was really good. And I'm so excited for these parts. Here's what you'll get from it. Go listen over here. Maybe I Mm -hmm. should gosh, maybe I should experiment with that too. (laughs)
1: Let me know what you think. How you get on. Uh, The the, the problem for me is, um, when I consider all of this, is this is already fairly time consuming. Mm-hmm. And the more little bits I keep bolting onto each episode, yeah. the more time consuming it becomes. Yeah. Um
0: so so here's yeah. what here's what I do. Here's what I've started doing, right? Because for a long time I would just record the interview and we'd be done and I'd bounce. And then a few yeah. weeks later, once I've locked in the sponsors for like the next set of episodes or something, now it's time for me to record the bumpers. Right. And I'm like, what the hell did we talk about? Yeah. Um. So now what I've been doing, at, if at the very least, I will write the script for the bumper right after we record.
1: Okay.
0: Even if I don't have the sponsors locked in, if I do, I record the intro right after we're done. Cause then I, it's fresh. I know what I'm excited about. I don't have to look at my horrible notes that I stopped taking halfway through the episode. Cause I was so into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I think probably, and I'm just thinking out loud here, but it's something I'm definitely going to try, um, is recording that promo video right after I'm in the Mm -hmm. mindset, right? So I can say, Hey, uh, today's episode with Alistair McDermott, we talk all about all sorts of stuff, course creation, blah, blah, blah. Just record that right now, save it, maybe tag it, put it in a folder somewhere And then on launch day, now you can have your assistant schedule your social media or whatever and have it go out then. But Mm. you're in the mindset, batch all of the content right there. um, And then it doesn't feel like so much context switching either.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. And doing it in the moment, it it just means it's all fresh. And yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to try that as well.
0: Cool. Well, we'll exchange We'll uh we'll come back and we'll exchange notes.
1: Yeah, cool. Um all right. Uh I, I know we got to wrap it up. Is there anything any any other pearls of wisdom you want to drop on me?
0: Uh, I would say um with your podcast, experiment with a few different formats, right? For a long time, I just did interview, same five questions, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That worked for me for a while, and then I saw a little bit of a drop off. And now um, and this was my problem too. I didn't think my podcast would go anywhere. And then it did <laughs> um relatively quickly to the point where people were like, How did you do that? And I'm, I'm like, I have no idea. Um now I have like with the benefit of time, I have an idea. But um was it was it just sticking with it or uh, what was that being consistent was definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. Um I had a few really good guests on the be- on in the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. When I started, in um, actually, as this episode comes out, the show will be about will be five years old, the five year anniversary. Wow! Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I ask really good questions. I think I was doing it at a time where most people were not good at asking questions or interviewing. Um, and then I will say uh, that another show from NPR launched a few months after my podcast with a similar name um <laughs> i think i think that did help me but yeah the important thing that i took away was people weren't listening to the first 5 seconds and going this is not guy raz and then leaving mm-hmm. people were staying with me my downloads were consistent and consistently growing week to week um so showing up is super important Consistently launching on the same day, people make this a part of their routine. If there's a podcast I listen to that isn't that is delayed, uh upgrade is a perfect example, right? On uh WWDC day or when they have a gag order for a product they're about to review, they release on Tuesday instead of Monday. And I'm like, Where's my Monday afternoon podcast now? Or my Tuesday morning podcast, right? Um well, now well, you gotta you know what I
1: gotta till- wait. What's that? You know what I can say to that. What's that? Go check out Marketing for Consultants, which drops on Mondays.
0: Boom. Mondays. Perfect. Mine does too. So get the one-two punch. Um, there you go. And, but then aside from that, experiment, right? Uh, mm-hmm. See um, see what works, what doesn't. And finally, have a really clear call to action. Uh, which, yeah. again, marketing guy, you probably know. I didn't. I was just like, enjoy, get out there and build something. I never, mm-hmm. I, I never consistently said like, join my mailing list or. Right. Yeah. Review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: So have a clear call to action for that. I would throw like five at them and be like, pick your favorite. Now it's, you want more content, join the membership. That's the call to action. Cause it's $5 a month. It's not like I'm asking for like a hundred bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's easy enough for people to be like, all right, I'll pay for a month to see what bonus content I get. And then that gets them on the mailing list anyway.
1: Yeah. So cool. Well, one last question then. Um, I'm I'm comfortably releasing one episode a week at the moment. I'm way ahead. I think I have maybe fourteen or sixteen episodes pre-recorded in the bag. Nice. Should I consider drop uh, switching to two episodes a week? Is there any big advantage in that?
0: Uh, I mean, your weekly downloads will look better. Um.
1: I, yeah, I, I don't really care about the the yeah. stats looking better if right. it's not if it's not a real you know yep. not a real benefit. I mean,
0: it it could make the show more bingeable, but I would say mm. if you're going to start doing two a week, you you should probably stick to doing two a week.
1: Yeah, and then that's
0: that's my hesitation, right? I I consulted with somebody recently who had a concept where he was going to do a big episode on Mondays and then. Tuesday through Friday have like short 5-minute episodes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, if you can batch that and do like the full month ahead of time, you got to do that. Because if you say I'm going to do this every day and then you don't. We're not at the mer- right now podcasting is not at the mercy of algorithms, right? Um mm-hmm. because it really is like a Apple podcast doesn't have an algorithm. That mm-hmm. they're just picking shows that they like, that they show you. Right. Uh, YouTube, you're at the mercy of the algorithm. If you are weekly on Tuesdays and you drop on a Wednesday, you're all screwed up. Like your engagement goes down for that video.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So it's not that dire for podcasts, but you want to send the right message to your listeners you can expect this like clockwork every Monday and Thursday, or you can expect this like clockwork at 9 a.m. Eastern every day. Um, yeah. So that's, that is my hesitation with temporarily. Yeah. I would say if you want to do bonus episodes, like I do bonus episodes on Thursdays. Um, right. Yeah. And I've done
1: yeah. one so far. Yeah. yeah. Which was a transparency report. It was a solo episode about six or seven minutes. I just shared all the numbers. Nice. So yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Joe, that was my last question, and I don't want to take up any more of your time. I really do appreciate it.
0: Thanks again so much to Alistair for joining us today. And I hope that uh, he got a lot of value out of that call. I know that it was very uh, illuminating for me because it's often, you know, when you've been making courses for a long time or even making a podcast for a long time, it's sometimes hard. Uh, to remember the struggles that you go through in the beginning. And so connecting and working with people in all stages of whatever you do uh, helps give you perspective and empathy. So I think that was, I really enjoyed that call. And of course, we're about to get into the Build Something More conversation. Uh, So if you are not signed up for Build Something More, again, you can sign up over at howibuilt.it. Where all of the show notes are, uh, howIbuilt.it slash 231, I should say. Uh, all of the show notes for this episode, a way to sign up for the mailing list or the membership, it's all there. Thanks again so much to our sponsors, Text Expander, Terms Hub, and Nexus. Check them out because they help support the show. And, uh, you know, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Again, you can just send them to the link, How I howibuilt.it slash 231. They don't need to install an app or anything. They can listen right on that page. Click around on the show notes and then subscribe in whatever app they like. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.